You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Amen. All right. Well, Ephesians chapter 5 tonight, please. The fifth chapter of the book of Ephesians. And while you're turning there, I did bring some uh, Bible studies. I think I may have brought these before, but I've got a number of Bible studies that I've got over here in the box. If anybody wants to check those out, maybe a Bible study you could uh, potentially lead. Uh, So check those out. There are several good ones over there. You could do it personally or you could do it with a group. So just be sure you check that out. Amen. All right, Ephesians chapter number 5. And I want to just share a few thoughts with you out of Ephesians 5. Mostly verses 1 and 2, but I'm going to start with verse number 31, or I'm sorry, verse 30 of chapter 4, just so that we can get the full context here. Ephesians 4 verse 30, the Bible says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love. And that is the title of tonight's message, Walk in Love, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And we're going to stop reading right there because that's all we'll have time to deal with tonight. Uh, Walk uh, in love, the Bible tells us to do. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much, God, for the privilege of being here tonight. Thank you for the message that we've already heard. Thank you for the good testimonies and fellowship. And God, I pray that you'll bless, dear God, over these next moments and help us, dear God, to be challenged uh, to walk uh, worthy, to walk in love, God. This type of walk, this type of love is something that uh, is supernatural. It's something that we cannot do on our own. And God, uh, so we pray and look to you, God, and for the power of the Holy Spirit of God and the truth of God's word to work in our lives to affect the way we walk. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, walk in love. God is concerned with the way we walk. In other words, He's concerned with the way we live our lives. And God has a plan. He's got to walk for us. He's laid out a path for each of us. But in these verses, it tells us really some challenging things. It says, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. And so, He gives us kind of an example for this walk. Because the word followers right there is the word mimics, mimics, or imitators. So in other words, we should be imitating or mimicking God. Uh, be imitators of God. Be, uh, be, be followers of God. This kind of sets the theme for this whole section. How is our walk supposed to be? We're to walk in love with the love of God. That's the kind of walk we're supposed to have. Now, it's pretty awesome when you think about it. Paul is simply arguing that children are like their parents. Now, that's a fact that can be both encouraging and embarrassing to those of us who have children. 
You know, whether you've seen a child that's sitting in the front seat of a, of a car trying to act like they're driving like their mom or their dad or, or walking behind him, uh, maybe pretending to mow the lawn. You know, you've seen kids out, and I think ours may have done this when they were younger. I'd be out mowing, and one of the kids would be out there with like the little bubble uh, lawnmower, you know, and, and just walking in those foot uh, steps. Uh, and I can remember, uh, you know, and so it can be some of those funnier things to watch, or it can even be along the lines of, you know, kids even imitating negative behavior that they see from their parents. Kids probably learn more by watching and imitating than in any other way. Uh, I've heard it put this way, that a lot of time kids, uh, they learn more by what is caught than by what is taught, so to speak. So that's a real good lesson on the home. In other words, we try to tell them so many things, as we should, but a lot of times it's by what they're seeing God do in our lives or the lack thereof that is really what teaches our children. But now in this particular case, it's talking about be ye followers of God because God's your father. It should be a natural, or in this case, it ought to be a supernatural response. There's an implication that's pretty awesome in this passage. Again, verse 1, Be their followers of God as dear children. I don't know about you, but I'll tell you right now, I love my kids. I thank God for my kids every day. My kids are dear children. But remember, God is the one that instituted the home. God is the one that set this whole home thing in motion. And I'm telling you, part of the reason that He set the home in motion is because some of the things that we can learn about him through the home. He established the home. And we're children of God. We're dear children of God. And you know what that means, by the way? It means this. It means, man, we're part of the family. Now, how many of you are glad you're part of the family of God? Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it wonderful to be saved by God's grace? Isn't it wonderful to be born again into the yes. family of God? Amen. And one of the things that happens, as we'll see in just a moment, about being born into the family of God is that we get a divine nature. Now, many times, the things that our kids do, they do because maybe they've seen us do it. But a lot of times, it's amazing with our kids sometimes. We can see our traits coming out in our kids, and we're pretty sure it wasn't just things that we taught them. They have seen it. And you're just like, oh my goodness, that is just like me. And, or, uh, God help us, that's just like their mom, you know. And, and of course, that's usually a, a better thing. But, uh, but, but regardless, uh, we, we, you see those things, it's just in the genes. Well, guess what? If we've been born again by the grace of God, there ought to be some things uh, deep inside of us that work themselves out if we allow them to. He's challenging us here. Be ye followers. Be imitators of God. Walk worthy, he says. Now, there's three admonitions in this passage. We're not going to deal with all these tonight. But first of all, we, we, learn, we know something about God from 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. That's the passage that says, God is love. God is love. So if God is love, we should then walk in love. In Ephesians 5, uh, verses 1 and 2, we see that. But in 1 John 1, 5, the Bible says that God is light. Therefore, we should walk as children of light. Verses 3 through 14 contrast and tell us all the, the ways we should be walking in contrast to the ways we should not. 
be walking as the people of God. And then uh, the Bible says, tells us, tells us in 1 John 5, 6 that God is truth, therefore we should walk in wisdom. And of course, all the walks are tied up in the idea of walking in purity. Amen. And walking in love is walking in purity. Something else I appreciate about verse 2, the Bible says, and walk. You know, one thing about the Christian life is it's never standing still. It's a walk. And by the way, something else about a walk, sometimes a walk takes a little time. The Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I mean, thank God, God lets us know about the steps that we need to take day by day. And let me tell you something. Sometimes some of us can get too too caught up with the big picture to... Uh, and we, and we, in other words, I look at it this way. There's some of you going to be heading back to Mobile tonight, for instance. I didn't even say that right, did I? Mobile. I can't. Anyway. Well, you know how to get there, obviously. You've, you've taken the trip many times. But the thing is, is what if you were just sitting here thinking, man, I've got to get there tonight. How am I going to get there? How am I going to get there? Because, because you're bothered by the fact that you cannot see from here to there. You can't. You don't know what turn's going to be up there. You don't know, man. I wonder if their deer are going to be out there tonight. Uh, I can, you know, are you looking? You can't see them, can you? And of course, you say, well, that would be foolish for me to be sitting here, being bothered by the fact that I can't see, you know, for miles and miles away. But a lot of times, that's how we are in our Christian lives. Hey, come on, brother, sister, man, walk for the Lord, live for the Lord. Get it. Let's get up and get at it, you know. But I just can't. I can't see what's up ahead. I can't see what's up there. Okay, buddy, well, let's maybe maybe start walking that way. See, it's, He's a lamp unto our feet as we take each step. Amen. A lamp unto our feet, and He's a light unto our path. When you get in that vehicle tonight, I train you, and you turn those lights on, you can turn it on bright if you want to. But I can promise you one thing, those lights are not shining all the way to Moville. Amen. Was it better that time? Those lights will not shine all the way to Mobile. That's just enough for you to see where you're heading. Alright? And that's how the walk is with God sometimes. Don't get so caught up with all this stuff way down the road. Man, just take a step. Amen. Keep walking with God. Do what you. Some people get so hung up on what they do not know, they're disobedient to the things they do know. Amen. And therefore, they're missing out on blessings right now that they ought to be having. It's a walk. It's a progression. But the Christian life never stands still. This is an admonition that I believe is obviously connected to the previous chapter about even about the forgiveness of God and about being uh, merciful to each other and about not letting bitterness and anger and some of the things that we get tempted uh, with in our fallen nature creep in. Because if we're not careful, you know... uh, we can let past wrongs, we can let so many things uh, hinder us in our walk for the Lord. But if we continue to love God, and I'm telling you, loving Him, looking to God, and I'm telling you, I believe to look to Him as to love Him. Yeah. But I'm telling you, the key to the blessings that we have seen right here, the key to continued and greater blessings, if as a church... Think about this. If as a church, this can be our mantra. 
If as a church, this can be what we are, the way we walk, and that's this way. That we love God, we love each other, and we love the lost. You say, that sounds awfully simple. Well, it is pretty simple to state, but there's challenges all along the way, and he's going to deal with... He dealt with some of those in the previous chapter. The problems we can have among ourselves and within ourselves... He's going to deal with those as we go through the chapter. But there's a lot of things that are trying to drag us away from loving God the way we're supposed to. Loving each other the way He would have us to. And loving a lost and a dying world. But man, if... if, (coughs) Pardon me. If we're able to keep the the love of God, the love of each other, the love for the lost, we will see God bless in immeasurable ways. Now... I'll give you just a few things here. Paul gave several reasons why Christians ought to walk in love. Number one has to do with our birth. I've already mentioned this. We are God's children. The Bible says in Ephesians, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, Wherefore are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. That's a mouthful right there. And it's connected with the same principles that we're going to see here in chapter number 5. But think about that. Wherefore are given unto us great, exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers. So where, where do we find these great and exceeding precious promises? In the Word of God. In the Word of God. Now, with that in mind, I'm going to pause preaching just a second and, and turn try to go back into Bible study form for just a minute. I put out on Facebook to bring any verses that you might have about the love of God. Anybody have some verses they'd like to share about the love of God tonight? Some of you are saying, I didn't see that on Facebook. That's fine. John 3.16. Amen. Yeah, John 3.16. There you go. That's right. Uh, can you quote it, Deidre? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, so that all may have eternal life. Amen. That's right. For God so loved the world. So John 3.16, one of the greatest verses on the love of God. Um, any other verses you'd like to share on that, Michael? But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Romans chapter 5, verse number 8. Connie. Romans 8.28. Amen. Romans 8.28. That's right. Uh, uh, you know, the, the fact that all things uh, uh, work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Amen. Any other verses on the love of God? Ron. I like what Deidre said about that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Amen. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So that's, I think, Romans 8.37. Is that right? Uh, Melanie. Amen. And that fits great into the to where this is all leading that we will not get to tonight. But um, yeah, so we, we got these promises. And, and that's just some promises about the love of God. Anybody else before I move on? Uh, that's some of the promises. But, but so, whereby are given unto us exceeding. I love these words, don't you? I love the way the Bible, there's just not the words to describe. What kind of promises, what kind of book do you have exactly in the Bible? What, it, what, what, is, what kind of book do you have there in the Word of God? I'm telling you what you have. You have a book that is full of exceeding, great, and 
precious promises. There's no wonder that, the, that, that in the Proverbs, the Bible says how that we ought to, to thirst after the Word of God and the wisdom of God's Word. I mean, we ought to dig for it and hunt after it like it's treasure. Folks, if you have a Bible, if you don't, we could sure get you one. But I'm telling you, within the Bible, there is a vast treasure. People get all excited every time there's a big, what is it, money ball, power ball, whatever they call that uh, stuff. You know, they, they, they call that a, uh, what is that, a, t- a tax on the ignorant. But, but people get so, I know so many people that get so excited about that. And oh, man, we're going to get our tickets and we're going to have a chance and, and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, which is fine. Mind your own business. I mean, or, you know, you can do what you want to do, I suppose. Uh, man, but uh, just don't do it in front of me when I'm trying to get gas. Hey, Amen. Let me get through first. But anyway, uh, uh, the, the, the thing is, is that, man, there's a, there's a, we know there's a microscopic chance of these people winning any of that stuff. But let me tell you something. There's a greater treasure right here that's already been won at Calvary. Amen. Right here. Right. In the pages of this book. And look at this verse again. And I, I, you may have not have turned there. I didn't give you time to. But 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, Whereby are given unto us exceeding and great and precious promises. And now notice as you follow this, that by these... So what's the these referring to? I'll read it again. Yeah, that's right. The promises. These exceeding great and precious promises. That by these, by these exceeding great and precious promises, ye might be partakers of the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And that's what it's going to deal with verses 3 through 14. Now, you say, well, which is it? Do we or do we not have this divine nature? We have this divine nature if you are born again, if you're saved by God's grace. But are you being a partaker of that nature? Is that being manifested in your life? And it's so awesome. It just goes back to the thing that you know, was, was preached earlier and that we, we, we encourage so many times, get in the Word, get in the Word, get in the Word. I can't tell you the people that I've dealt with, uh, t- that I've dealt with that are facing so many problems before and I don't do. I need to get back to doing this as much as I used to. But I would ask people a lot of times, "How faithful have you been in the Word lately? Amen. How faithful have you been in the Word lately? I mean, really getting in there. And it's amazing sometimes I see so many that are struggling with this divine nature being manifest in their life. And the reason why is they're not getting a hold of these great and precious promises Amen. that are in the Word of God that That's give right. us this power to overcome and to uh, win the victory. Uh, so. It's a, just a powerful verse there. But why? Because of the divine nature. So, God is love. Therefore, it is logical that God's children will walk in love. When Paul encouraged his readers to walk in love, he was not asking them to do something that was foreign to the Christian life. For we have received a new nature that wants to express itself in love. The old nature is basically selfish. Anybody? Selfish. Uh, And by the way, we just got to learn to catch ourselves with this stuff. What helps us to do that? These exceeding great and precious promises. Catches us when we're being selfish. Um, Selfish, and for this reason, builds walls, declares war, causes division. But the new nature is loving. And therefore, builds bridges and proclaims peace. Amen? Tries to make a difference. Tries to reach out. 
not to sin, but to one another. Um, you know, we talked about this before. The, the, the love of God, the, the, the thing about walking in this kind of love, this kind of love is willing to be somewhat vulnerable, to leave itself open, to serve, uh, and to be wronged at times. None of us want to be wronged. None of us like to be wronged. But we can't. it's going to be hard to serve and not be wronged at some point. It's going to be hard to put ourselves out there and not have to deal with these things. So, but, but, but walking in love, the love of God, I mean, because you say, well, I don't know, is that true? Well, how does man act, react toward God's love? And so we need to understand. Man, I thought about this years ago when I was going through such a hard time and I had people that I felt like was, uh, they, I didn't feel like they were personally attacking me. They were personally attacking me. And it was a really tough time. And I felt like, you know, Lord, I didn't sign up for this is kind of how I felt. I, I, I thought, man, this isn't, you know, it felt foreign, you know. I think Michael mentioned it as if some strange thing had happened to me the way the Bible says it. Don't, don't act as if some strange thing has happened to you. But that's how I was acting like, Lord, what's going on here? But God reminded me and He said, you go back to the Bible and you find me somebody that wasn't living and walking for God that didn't have to go through some of these difficult times. Yeah being misunderstood, being run down, being uh, fought against and so forth. And by the way, let's go to the Lord Jesus Christ Himself because He's the example that's given in verse number 2. He's the example that's given. And you know what? Man, how did the world receive His love? They hung Him on a cross. Uh, right? They spat upon Him. And how did they receive His love today? You know, so we need to understand that it's not us being rejected that when we sign up for this thing as being a Christian, there's going to be some challenging times that we have to face. So, since because of our birth, we're God's child, so it makes sense that we would walk as God's children. And because we are God's child, we are God's beloved children. Now, this is a pretty cool thing. Imagine God speaking about us the same way He spoke about Jesus Christ. Now, we know a couple different times God spoke out of heaven... And he said, this is my beloved son. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. But there's a great passage in John chapter 17. By the way, if you were going to be real picky uh, and uh, with semantics, John 17 is the Lord's Prayer. Now, not what we know as title as the Lord's Prayer, it's not, you know, picking or nothing like that, being nitpicky about it, but it's just being true about it. In the true sense, the Lord's Prayer wasn't actually the Lord praying. Because there's one thing our Lord has never had to pray. Forgive us our trespasses. Amen. Amen. Forgive us our sins. So that, that was the, the in, if you want to use a, a good theological term about it, that's the model prayer that, God, that Jesus gave. But John 17, the Lord is actually praying His priestly intercession prayer for us. You ought to read it sometime because this is Jesus praying for you, interceding, as was mentioned earlier. But in that prayer, John 17, verse 23, Jesus says, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and has loved them, listen to this, and has loved them as thou hast loved me. Isn't that wonderful? So he's saying right there, Father, the same way you love me is the same way you love them. 
That's pretty awesome, amen? amen? I remember years ago reading the verse, and many of you, some of you are familiar with it, but when there's a prayer, and it talks about causing God's face to shine on you. And you know what? That's my desire and my prayer every day. To walk as my Father. And really, I want, man, listen, I want my, my Father's face glowing as He looks on me. Amen. That's what it talks about, His face shining on us. I mean, it's just looking down just with the, just, just with the gleaming of His love and, and gleaming on, look, that's my boy. Amen. That's my boy. And He's able to do that in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. We are born into a loving relationship with the Father that ought to result in our showing love to Him by the way we live our lives. Not only... See, you know, we talk about obeying and sometimes we get caught up on obeying. We obviously ought to obey. But we also need to honor God. And we teach this with the kids oftentimes that the, what's the difference between honoring and obeying? Well, a lot of times obedience kind of falls into the letter of the law. You know, um, hey, will you, will, you, will you wipe the counter off there? Obedience goes and wipes the counter off. Honor goes, wipes the counter off. Sweeps the floor. Um, takes the garbage out. Washes the dishes. I didn't ask you to do that. Oh, that's fine. You didn't have to ask me. See, obedience... So, so somebody put it this way. I thought it was so great. Obey is this. Obey says, I will do it because you require it. Yeah. But honor says this. I will do it because you desire it. Yeah. I will do it because you desire it. Have you ever been like this in your Christian life? I've known people that are saved... And they've got they live with this attitude. You know, I mean, if it's not, you could show them the principle, you can show them however you want to, but man, I've had people ask me this. Wait a second, preacher. Now you're not saying that I'll go to hell for doing this, that, or the other thing. Well, of course not. If you're saved, you're not going to go to, you know, but but uh, but no, but, but but clearly God in his word. You know, tells us not to do this. Oh, well, that's fine as long as I'm, you know. In other words, they're not concerned with how much they can please the Father. It's almost like, how much can I, how close can I walk to the world and still be okay? How close can I get? Because I mean, uh, and, and we can get real specific. I want to get it down razor sharp. I mean, how close can I get to the world and still be right with God? Well, I tell you, you might ought to look at your heart because uh, there, there's a problem there. So honoring our Father. Honoring our Father. Honoring this Father that loves us so much, that's done so much for us. And then the, the last part is this. So we're His child, so by birth we should walk in love. We're His beloved child, so just as a fact of honoring Him, uh, we should walk in love. And then uh, lastly, because we've been purchased with a great price. Here's another Great verse on the love of God. John 15, verse 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, Jesus did lay down his life for his friends. And I'm glad that Jesus was able to call his enemies his friends. But the Bible says he died for his enemies too, right? We know that, that, that he died for all. Our love for him is in response to his love for us. 
And it's interesting right here. Notice what the Bible says here in verse 2. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us. But notice this. An offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Now, we are primed, and as well as we should be, when we think about God giving him, Jesus giving himself as a sacrifice, we think of the sin offering and the trespass offering, and how that Jesus shed His blood so that our sins could be forgiven. But that's not the kind of offering that's been referred to here. I'll read it again. And hath given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. In the Old Testament, and you can read this in the first three chapters of the book of Leviticus, we find out about these sweet savor offerings. Paul compares Christ's sacrifice to these sweet savor offerings. But he's saying that just as Christ offered these, we ought to offer these as well. The idea behind the sweet savor is simply that the sacrifice is well-pleasing to God. And this is another thing to, to, to understand about these that in the Old Testament economy, I mentioned the sin and the trespass offering, those offerings were mandatory. If you did not offer the sin offering, in the trespass offering, if you didn't get your sin dealt with, you were cut off. If you refused to get that right, you were no longer a part, you, you were not in the camp. So these were mandatory offerings, the sin offering and the trespass offering. In other words, I'll say this. In order to be saved, you've got to come by the way of the blood. Amen? Amen. Your sin has to be dealt with. But now he's talking here to people whose sins have been dealt with. Who have had their sins and their trespasses dealt with. These offerings were all voluntary offerings. And this is where we're just kind of wrapping this up and driving it home tonight. This walk... This life that God wants us to live, listen, He's not going to make you do it. And no, it's not a requirement on whether or not you go to heaven. It's voluntary. These offerings were all voluntary offerings. And these offerings are as follows. They're the meal offering, uh, the peace offering, and the burnt offering. The, 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 the meal offering, the peace offering, and the burnt offering. All completely voluntary. Now, the, when, here's the cool thing about this. Here's the pictures, and I'll give these to you quickly as I can. Here's these peace offerings, or here's these sweet savor offerings. Why were they such a sweet savor? Because they were not required. Yeah. And anyone that offered these sacrifices were just saying, you know what? God's been so good to me. Man, I want to offer the meal offering. You know what the Bible says? To, but to do good and to communicate, Hebrews 13, it says, but to do good and to communicate, for, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Amen. Now you look up that word communicate. It's not used, we don't use it today as the way they used it back then. That's literally talking about our offerings Amen. and our giving. Yes. So our giving is a sacrifice, is a sweet savor sacrifice. 
You say, well, aren't we kind of required? Well, yeah, I mean, you could say that. God says to do it. You know, somebody said God doesn't make requests, and it's true. But nobody's going to get to heaven and say, oh, sorry, you can't get in. You didn't give any money. The only way somebody gets to heaven is through the blood of Christ, right? And so the point is, it's not mandatory. But it's, it's going above and beyond. So, but to do good and to communicate, forget not for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. In that same chapter of the book of Hebrews, the Bible speaks about another sacrifice. And he talks about praise. And he describes that praise and he says, that is the, the, the praise. He said, that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks unto our God. With such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And so he's talking about our praise being a sacrifice. You're not required to praise, but you know what? It's a sweet savor to God when we praise. It's an extra offering that we're saying, you know what? I'm not really required to, but I just want to. Now my flesh doesn't want to, but you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to embarrass my flesh. I am. Because I'm sitting here and I'm just thinking, you know, I could, I could lift up my hand and there's a part of me, you know, like I told you before, People that come up to me after service said, Boy, preacher, I got so excited I could have just jumped up and down. Yeah. And my question's always the same. Why didn't you? <laughs> Amen. Why didn't you? I was just about to raise my hand, but then I thought, Well, what will people think? Yeah. Well, we got our eyes in the wrong place, didn't we? What will God think? Amen. That's right. How about this one, some of you? Some of you listen. He's trying to get me to praise. You can forget it now. I was just about to praise God. I was close. But as soon as you said, hey, lift up your hand, people, nope. Nope. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Listen, if I just keep our motive right. You know what? I'm going to praise God. And it's not just at church. It ought to be at church. But it needs to be at home. At work. Amen. I mean, son, I let out a holler and a shout. Uh, the other day I was talking to uh, Larry at work and man, uh, just saved and, and I was telling him about what God was doing and, and he was telling me a little bit about what God was doing and, and, and I turned down aisle 10 and I just said, Woo! Glory to God! Amen. 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 Praising. Yeah. You say, what would the people think? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure I knew what God thought. Amen. Amen. He's the one that matters. Yes. Right? And uh, so praise Him. Amen? And you know the, the great thing about these blessings, these sacrifices, is God just blesses you for it. Anybody, you give and you're just like, my goodness, God blesses me. You praise Him and you're like, wow, this is awesome. This is great. This should be a part of our life. And then the last one is, 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 a, is one you're familiar with. but you may, Because what's the Bible say? The Bible says we're a generation of kings and priests. So the last one is pictured in Romans chapter 12. Verses 1 and 2, where the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2, I said I was going to quote verse 2, but I just want to stick with verse 1 for now. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living what? Sacrifice. Sacrifice. You know what that is? That's the burnt offering. That's the burnt offering. Now, did you know that some of the some of the offerings could be offered and like literally you could enjoy it? I mean, you could they would have feasts and stuff, and sometimes it was the sacrifices that would be associated with this. The burnt offering wasn't that way, though. You would offer the burnt offering <coughs> and you were saying, It's all God's. It's all God's. 
And it's, <coughs> it's consumed on the altar. The burnt offering. These sweet savor offerings. These offerings that God's up in heaven and He goes, Ah, yeah. Anybody like stuff that smells good? I like stuff that smells good. I'm glad I got a woman that smells good. I'm sorry if I just made that weird. Uh, I like stuff that smells good. I came downstairs today, and man, there, there, the, the, there was food cooking, and I'm like, mmm, smells good. Right? Smell is one of the strongest uh, senses. And so God says, uh, these, these sacrifices were referred to as sweet-smelling, pleasing, just, yes, smells wonderful, smells good. And they're not required uh, but they're things that can be above and beyond. And so it just goes back to our walk. Our walk with God. This walk that we ought to have. No, we're not required to walk like our Father and walk in love if we're going to go to heaven. That, you got to be saved. That, that's the requirement of going to heaven. But the rest of it is just saying, you know what, Lord? I just want to give my life for You. Amen. I want my life to be a sweet-smelling savor. Lord, I give it all. I give it all. Amen.